0: 23 years ago this week, EverQuest was released to the masses. Taking its cue from earlier text-based role-playing games, it sought to bring massively multiplayer online role-playing games into the mainstream. And boy, did it. At its peak, EverQuest had over half a million subscribers. And while that might be nothing these days, at the time, it was record-breaking. Today, we're going to be looking back at EverQuest, as well as the text-based games that it drew inspiration from. As part of our journey, we'll learn about the world's oldest virtual world and look back at some of the history of EverQuest in itself. So stick around and join us for today's quest down Memory Card Lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello, and welcome to the 81st episode of our Video Game Nostalgia Podcast A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we take a look back at one game relevant to the current week in gaming history, and we talk about it. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the game, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. This week, we're looking back at EverQuest, the OG 3D MMORPG, released to the world on March 16th, 1999. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who played in the mud before it was cool, my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, what's it like getting muddy with others?
1: Well, it doesn't leave a nice-looking floor when it's done, I'll tell you that.
0: But it gets cleaned, though, right? You clean the floor?
1: Someone does. I don't
0: uh-huh. think Mom's very happy about that.
1: No, no. I tried. I try to leave my shoes at the door if I've been in mud, unlike other. But hey, enough about that. True What's, enough. Why? Why are we talking about mud, Dave? Huh? Huh?
0: Because we're gonna learn about muds again today. We we've covered them recently, but we're gonna learn about mud again today. But before Ooh. we get to before we get to mud and 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 what they are and what that is. What are you playing?
1: Well, Dave, <clears throat> this week has been some RuneScape, uh, quite a bit of Elden Ring, a little bit of Rocket League, and a tiny bit of Ark, Survival Evolved. Nice. Yeah. How about yourself? What have you been up to this week?
0: Logged into RuneScape a few times while I was on my phone. Um, some Rocket League. Bunch of Elden, Elden Scrolls, Elden Ring, <laughs> um, and Belheim, mm-hmm. and Forza, A little, Ooh, nice. little, little all over the place. So, all right, well, we're talking about EverQuest today, but before we get to EverQuest, let's talk muds. You know, it was about ten episodes ago when we were celebrating the RuneScape anniversary that we first heard the t- term "mud" used. If you'll recall, RuneScape itself was originally designed as a graphical MUD, but giving but it was it was it was designed at just a time when graphical MUDs were basically being renamed to MMORPGs. And today we're talking about EverQuest, which is also said to have gained inspiration from a MUD, kinda like RuneScape did. And so I wanted to take a step back and talk a little bit more about MUDs. Well, um, Dave.
1: What for, to start off? What, what's a mud?
0: So, the very first mud was created in nineteen seventy eight, and it was hosted on the early network machines to PDP tens at the University of Essex. And mud is the abbreviation of multi user dungeon. Oh. So the original Mud is now known as Mud 1, or uh, you can find it online as British Legends, or BL. And, and it's, a, it's a game. It's a game in which you start out as a lowly novice, and you basically do quests, and you fight over players to gain points to level up. There were 10 levels with the most powerful beings in the Mud universe being wizards and witches. It's, it's said that a wizard would could absolutely end your life and you should be absolutely nice to them nice and it's important to know that muds are entirely text-based you would move with commands like north south in out jump back you would manipulate objects by typing in commands like open door with key pick up rock you know grab apple and you would attack other players by typing in commands like Kill so-and-so with axe. Um, and then, of course, since the most powerful beings were Wizard of Witches, there were spells, too. Makes sense. And, the, and, and you know, the quests were simple things like find the mausoleum, find the golden apple, find the sorcerer's room. A l- lot of fine stuff. Uh, more than likely kill something, too. You know, it's it's an early role-playing game. Okay? When it first started in 1978, users that were connected to this PDP-10 on the Essex campus could play against one another. And then in 1980, MUD became the first internet multiplayer online role-playing game when that computer at Essex University was connected to the ARPANET. Now, for those of you that don't know what the ARPANET is, the ARPANET was the internet before what we know now is the internet. You know, if the current worldwide worldwide Web is a a global network in which every device was connected to it, ARPANET was basically a smaller network where, say, just educational institutions were connected to it. But they were educational institutions throughout the world, and basically, as they developed the ARPANET, it was all the things that they learned from that that allowed them to continue to expand on the concept and create the internet.
1: Wasn't the ARPANET developed by DARPA?
0: Well, the ARPANET was developed by the Department of Defense. It was a DOD initiative. So uh, originally it was the, the concept was more you know security and war games and stuff like that, and then educational institutions, and then that concept was just taken and became the World Wide Web. So Gotcha. So not only is MUD as a result the first internet multiplayer online role playing game. But it's also the oldest virtual world in existence. Which is kind of cool if you think about it. The oldest virtual world ever made got start in 1978. And if you search British Legends, which I did, you will find that it's still playable online, which I went to go do. You can actually log on to the telnet that British Legends is stored on, and you can play it. It's british-legends.com. So you can go and check it out, log in, and you can actually walk through. I mean, you got to use your imagination. It's a text-based game, but you could take a, you could still walk through the oldest virtual world in existence, which is really cool if you think about it, because virtual worlds are commonplace now, but they started somewhere, you know. Absolutely. EverQuest in particular is heavily influenced by a later MUD, which was called Deku MUD. Uh, Deku was the Data Logics Institute Copenhagen's Eustat. I probably butchered that, but that's okay. You know me in foreign words. And it was developed by the Department of Computer Science at the University of Copenhagen. Hagen? Hagen? Copenhagen. You- Copenhagen. Well, I mean,
1: I'm sure they pronounce it Copenhagen. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure a, a Dutch is similar to enough to German that Logist Institute Copenhagen's Universität.
0: There you go. That sounds right.
1: It's close. I'm sure I butchered it as well, but at least it's closer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so that the, that was basically the department of computer science at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark and Deku Mud was released in, um, Deku Mud was released in March of 1991. Now, Deku Mud, you know, is closer to what we know of today in a role-playing game. It was a hack-and-slash mud. Its gameplay was very similar to Dungeons Dragons. Uh, it was made freely available online. So it was one of the first multi-user games to become popular as freeware online. And it was really wildly popular. It was playing all over the place. And as a result, you can really see the concepts, you know, the gameplay, the systems, everything like that. You can see Deku Mud in a lot of your early MMORPGs. Not just early. I mean, Ultima Online gained inspiration from Deku Mud. World of Warcraft, which is still played to this day, uh, you know, got its inspiration from Deku Mud. And of course, there's a the topic for today's episode, EverQuest, which also is said to have gained inspiration from Deku Mud. So, you know, there there's another one. Again, you could go online, Google it, you can still play it, and you can kind of see where a lot of your earlier RPGs, I guess both single player, because that the, the type of gameplay that it is, you know, was single player, and then it became MMORPGs, but you can see a lot of early RPG, traditional RPG systems that we still use to this day. You can find a Deku, which is available online, along with Mud 1. Um, and it's called Mud 1 because there are later variations of it, like Mud 2, that were slightly different, that they they distinguish between each other that way. But there you go. Now, if you ever get that If you ever get that question, uh, what's the oldest virtual world in existence, you could say it's MUD, which is the multi-user dungeon.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hope that I can remember that for that total amazing piece of trivia knowledge.
0: Right. So the development of EverQuest began in 1996 when a Sony executive uh, named John Smedley secured the funding for a 3D game based on text-based MUDs. He argued for it based on the success of a similar game that had just launched called Meridian 59. Now, Meridian 59 was also an MMORPG, and it, was, it had a 3D engine. Technically, Meridian 59 is the first MMORPG to utilize a 3D engine it just wasn't very commercially successful so everquest has the distinction of being the first commercially successful uh, 3d engined mmorpg as a side note if you want to if you want to talk about distinctions okay and in order to design everquest smedley uh, who was uh, sisa sony sony i don't remember it was it was basically what sony online entertainment would become um, it was SISA at the time. It was just a generic Sony division. And then he became Varant and split with 989 Studios. 989 Studios took over all the sports stuff. Varant was what they launched uh, their PC stuff under, and it was so successful, EverQuest was so successful that they became Sony Online Entertainment. That's not really what we're looking at, but Brad McQuaid, part of this team that came on were that Smedley brought on were programmers Brad McQuaid, programmer Steve Clover. These guys had caught Smedley's attention through the work on a single player RPG called War Wizard, which was about the only real significant thing they did before EverQuest. Bill Trost, who is credited with having created, he, he's the guy who everyone knows that created the history, the lore, the major characters that populate the world of Norath, which is the world that EverQuest has played in. And it's these four guys uh, Smedley, McQuaid, Clover, and trust they're the four guys that are largely creative with, with creating EverQuest. Now, there's really nothing, you know, too extravagant about the development of EverQuest. They sat down, they got to work, and they did it. And, you know, so in March of 1999, EverQuest was launched, and it had very modest expectations. You know, the there wasn't a, really an MMORPG genre. You know, uh, Ultima Online was decently big, and then Meridian 59 released as a 3D version, and it was eh, so-and-so. So really no one was sure that EverQuest was going to be successful. Well, within 24 hours, EverQuest had 10,000 active subscribers, which made it the highest selling online role-playing game at that point, up until that point. It, it In 24 hours, it exceeded any expectations that anyone had. By the end of April 1999, it had 60,000 subscribers. And by the end of 1999 it had a, about 150 active subscribers after selling about 225,000 copies of the game. And by the end of 1999, it had basically surpassed Ultima Online and yearly subscribers, which was the benchmark at the time. You know, and you have to think that while these numbers now really aren't special, uh, EverQuest was everywhere back then. That was That was the thing. You know, subscription numbers for EverQuest would actually reach their peak in 2003, in which there would be about half a million active subscribers. Now, that's chump change nowadays, let's be honest. World of Warcraft would later come in and, and, and smash this the records this game set out of the water. Uh, to put it into perspective, at its peak, World of Warcraft had 12 million subscribers. Jesus. I know, right? Did you know that's it was that big?
1: Just disgusting
0: I know, I know. It wow. only holds like I think it only holds like a million nowadays. It's active still, subscribers. even at one
1: time, that's just mind-boggling.
0: Twelve million people played WoW at one time. Yeah, but back here to EverQuest, you know, back here in two thousand three, EverQuest would peak at about five hundred thousand active subscribers. So,
1: see, that seems a lot more reasonable. That's that's. That's a great number and it just it, it, it's sensical. Sensible. I like sensible, But 12 million I just I, I know that's what you want as a game developer but that just blows my mind. True.
0: Very very true. MMORPG. Let's talk about EverQuest as a game. Rob did you ever play EverQuest?
1: I played AdventureQuest.
0: But you never played EverQuest. No, I, I never got into EverQuest either. Uh, it, you know, I will be honest with you. I, I I get real bad about talking about games. I it's free to play nowadays, both the first EverQuest and the second EverQuest, because there's two nowadays. They're both free to play. So I, I went through the tutorial and it's a, it's a fairly traditional RPG. You know, you have like, I don't know, so many different races you could be human, high elf, wood elf, dark elf, barbarians, dwarves, gnomes, you could be an ogre, you could be a troll. Uh there's many many more. There were 14 playable classes in the beginning. You could be warriors, monks, rogues, clerks, druids, you you know you know the drill. Oh yeah. And the truth is is that the 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 Everquest world itself is just huge. Uh, you know, it it is it's, there's over 500 playable zones in the entire EverQuest universe nowadays. So it's big. It's very, very big. It's a little outdated. I'd say a lot of bit outdated, to be honest with you. It's, what, 23 years old now? 20, 23 years old? Yeah. You know, the UI wasn't really made for uh, user interface. Sorry for those of you who don't game. The user interface wasn't really made for modern modern, uh, monitors and resolutions. So it's hard to read at times, but it plays like a very traditional MMORPG. You, you go around questing and defeating enemies and gaining levels to get stronger, to do it, you know, more and better levels and everything. But it's really, really grindy, like really grindy. And, and, and as we go through reviews of it, which we're going to do in just a moment, you'll find that that's kind of a theme you go back to. It's really, really grindy. In fact, Rob, we, we play RuneScape and we joke around about RuneScape being grindy. But I will tell you, I think EverQuest is probably worse.
1: Oh my goodness, really?
0: It, yeah, I think EverQuest is basically worse. It, it's, it's so, one thing in particular is that death in EverQuest is very meaningful. Like, you lose gear and you lose up to 10% of your XP. And so, like, when you die, like, depending on what level you're at, like, where I'm playing through the tutorial, it's it's not much. But I can see and people complain that as you get up there, like, losing that much XP could mean losing a week or longer of game time, you know, in terms of the amount of experience you can lose. Um, and so, like, it's just, it's just grindy. You know, yeah, it's grindy. I... And that's one thing, though. You know, this was this was an early MMORPG. You know, we've talked about older games and newer games, and how I think newer games value your time more. You know, we see that we've we've had that. Rob, we've had the same argument when we argue between old school RuneScape and RuneScape three, right? Yep. My argument is that runescape 3 i feel the progression's easier because it values my time more and you like old school runescape because it's kind of grindy and it's more of an accomplishment to get places
1: exactly
0: this is very much the same way but like i said i i feel it's incredibly grindy but there's so many choices of what to do so many classes so many everything so many skills to learn it's just it's big it's real big I have other stuff. I I thought it'd be fun today to talk a little bit about history in the game itself. So, you know, I I, I found some stories of, you know, what people... I found some stories in game that people kind of look back on when it hit its 20th anniversary a few years ago that we can cover that's pretty cool. But before that, we do that, since I kind of have that perspective on the game, that it's grindy and so on and so forth, I thought I would take our usual... And kind of see what other people thought about the game. So, Rob, I pulled you some critic and user reviews to go over that we'll cover. uh, And then we'll kind of delve back into the history of the world itself. Sound like a plan? Okie day. All right, what you got? All right. So first up, we have
1: Dan Amrick, who wrote in GamePro Magazine that after months of hype and hope, 989 Studios' online role-playing realm EverQuest has finally launched. And yes, it's good. So good, in fact, that the bar for online gaming has not so much been raised as obliterated. For once, a game lives up to its expectations. EverQuest is easily the prettiest time sink of the year. There's so much to see and do that boredom doesn't ever seem to be an option. 989 and Verant have definitely learned from EQ's predecessors. They built an amazing world and created the first true online killer app. Huzzah.
0: You know, that's a really interesting way. The first true online killer app. I don't even know if I've ever seen online app used historically in any context before this, considering that this review would have been 99 Um, I mean, I, I don't know, man. No, I just that's really fascinating. I mean, we use that word all the time. Here's the next killer app. Here's the next killer app. But here we are. Someone reviewed a game in 1999 and they used the phrase first true online killer app. And I'm really fascinated by that. I don't know if I've ever seen that earlier than this.
1: I've never actually heard that that exact term.
0: You've never heard killer app? No. Okay. cool. I'm old.
1: Yeah, well, we already knew that, Dave.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, moving on.
1: All right, so next up, we have Greg Casavin who wrote for GameSpot that while its intent to unite thousands of players simultaneously within a huge game world is similar to other online role-playing games, EverQuest delivers on its promises much more assertively than the competition, though not always gracefully. Between its excellent graphics, its performance, its rich fantasy setting, and its propensity to force you to cooperate with, rather than hinder, your fellow players, EverQuest is the best game in its class. At the same time, it is loaded with problems. Most aren't serious, though many are glaring, but just as you're liable to notice its flaws, so will you be inclined to look beyond them, once you see how much the game has to offer. EverQuest looks so good that comparing its graphics to any other first-person RPG would be a disservice. Its colorful 3D-accelerated visuals instead rank with first-person shooters in terms of quality and detail, although, in all fairness, they don't rank very highly because the quality is inconsistent. Certain player classes, monsters, and areas of the world look spectacular. At its best, EverQuest is picturesque and realistic. Then again, other parts of the game look silly or downright bad.
0: Isn't it funny that there in 1999, someone was calling graphics realistic when you put it in context of what we have nowadays?
1: Oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, it, it's just every time something new came out, I remember, like, I remember the first time I saw an Xbox 360 and mom was like, is that a video? Because it looked so good. And then the Xbox One came out and I was like, is that a video? I mean, and, heck, and, half and the, the time now, it's are. hard to tell.
0: Yeah. And now here we are with all those demos for Unreal Engine 5 that look photorealistic. It is insane, but hey,
1: you know, for at the time, those graphics were killer. That they were. It continues on to say that EverQuest also weaves the illusion that it's action-packed. In fact, gaining experience is a terrifically boring process, but fortunately, your character becomes noticeably stronger with every level. Even after many months of play, you'll keep learning new abilities and powerful new spells, or if not, you'll be purchasing far superior equipment safe to say that if you're looking to spend a great deal of time with a game you'll be hard-pressed to find a worthier suitor than everquest then again if you're picky about details everquest may not be for you there's no denying that the game is very rough around the edges and you'll know it from the moment you start the game and must sift through its lackluster menus the actual interface isn't much better The manual is even worse. The game is loaded with hilariously bad textual errors, and all in all, it's guaranteed to frustrate you regularly. Luckily, EverQuest offers a one-step solution to almost everything wrong with it. You need but find yourself a good group of friends to make your problems go away. Exploring the land, hunting monsters, fleeing from certain death. All these things are incredible. Incredibly fun in everquest so long as someone else is along for the ride although it might have been better in almost every respect it is like any good online rpg a work in progress and there's no question that it's the best game of its kind
0: i think the same can be said for a lot of games right and even more so nowadays since social gaming is such a thing
1: yeah no absolutely
0: Alright, well, that was the critic reviews, but I pulled some user reviews too so we could see what regular down-to-earth gamers thought of the game at the time. So, Rob, what do we got there?
1: Well, Dave, first we have Bastion from Moby Games, who called EverQuest an amazing experience, but only an okay game. They said that when I first encountered Norath at the name... Sorry. They started out by saying that when they first entered Norath, the name of the land they are in, they were overwhelmed by its scope and immersiveness. The game was awe-inspiring. Being in a world with hundreds of other people is like no other experience. You actually build friendships and make enemies. As a game, Bastion doesn't think it's a very good one. But as a gaming experience, it is the best out there, in their opinion. They go on to say that they were in a guild for most of the entire year they played the game and made friends that they actually care about, and some they've met and talked to on the phone. from People from California to Canada to New York, to Australia. It's truly amazing in that aspect. The game has set the current standard for the massive multiplayer persistent world, and they believe that it only scratched the surface of what is to come. Continuing on, they say after your character reaches level 20 or so, you will find that you spend more time doing nothing but sitting and resting than actually playing a game. You'll fight one or two creatures, then sit for three to five minutes to regain health and mana to do it again. It gets extremely repetitive. They even say that they found time to read a book or even play another game on a second computer while waiting to get full health, or waiting for the monster they just killed to respawn to kill them again. Obviously, in a massive, persistent game world, you don't want permanent character death. And Bastion has known people with over 100 days of online time invested in a single character.
0: Rookie numbers.
1: absolutely (laughs) to make up for this you will lose experience every time you die this is the penalty for death and it truly serves its purpose as you will do anything not to die as you can lose 6-8 to hours of progress in a single death this can be brutal and very discouraging if you do not want to keep that significant other in your life buy them this game it can totally ruin your life Ashton had several friends they met in game who were in college when they started and aren't any longer. Friends who are married who aren't any longer. Not that it's the game's fault, but it can do that to some people. It is truly immersive if you do not mind a slow-paced, repetitive game. Think of it as a Yahoo chat room with eye candy and something to do.
0: That's the gameplay loop, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Slow-paced,
0: repetitive game? Like, that's a gameplay loop. Like, that's such a common thing nowadays. Maybe not the slow-paced. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't think slow-paced as much. but Yeah. Definitely <clears throat> repetition. But, hey, sometimes repetition is what you want in a game.
0: That's it. Sometimes it is.
1: So next up, we have XTSX on Moby Games. And let me tell you, Dave, they were not a fan of EverQuest. Stating that if you like to spend most of your time watching your character sit down, then this game is for you. He hated the downtime, as he put it. There is no such thing as logging on for just an hour. You had to log on, walk a great distance to fight a monster, spend some more time gaining levels, and then there is the added fact that you were likely to die while fighting. When you die, you start off where you last binded yourself to, and you have a limited time to recover your things before they become lootable by all. So all in all, you are looking at spending about two hours on doing something that is very simple.
0: Yeah, we can relate to that one.
1: Uh, Yes, yes, indeedy. So next up, we have Rick Jones on Moby Games who called the game pretty good if you have an addictive personality. However, he criticized the fact that it was so slow. Adding that progression through each level, assuming you play more or less by the rules, takes hours, 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 and more hours. This is especially frustrating because the game lacks a substantial number of really interesting quests for characters under level 20. So if you want to advance to the point where you'll be doing really cool things, you're literally looking at days of gameplay, fighting the same monsters over and over again.
0: Yeah, well, you know, so grindy. I think we can establish that it's very grindy.
1: Yes, indeedy, but, uh, you know, hey, that's the name of the game, and clearly people enjoyed it. Well, that's your thing. Oh, I mean, absolutely. It definitely sounds like my kind of thing, but uh, I have many other games that I am currently grinding in, so I don't need another one to suck up the rest of my life.
0: Well, hey, it's free to play.
1: Well, maybe one of these days when I start to lose interest in one of the other ones, but at least RuneScape I don't see that happening with, so Elden Ring will have to be the one to go for a while. But Dave, that can't. Be all EverQuest is? It's just grindy. There's got to be something more to it.
0: Yeah. So well, what else
1: is there? What What do you actually do?
0: You You fight things. You like you fight, what? You fight things and you quest. Well, so I was online. I stumbled across an article that was put out for a 20th anniversary. That was basically like most memorable moments in uh, EverQuest history. And I pulled a couple of them that I that really amused me. I thought we could kind of talk about it and and. And go over them today. So instead of like the history of the game. This is literally the history in the game. Which is something we've never really done before. You know as I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. There's this one. There was this one event. There's a dragon in the game. He was called Cara Firm the Sleeper. And basically he was in a mausoleum. A tomb. He was guarded by four lesser dragons. That were story lore. Said to have imprisoned him. And if you destroyed the four elemental dragons that guarded him, he would basically awaken and destroy his rescuers. Like he was set up to where he would like one shot absolutely everything. And then he would break out of the mausoleum and he would basically go from zone to zone across little, literally across continents of this world. And he would one shot anything in his path. It was like, it was said to be like a, world like an entire server global apocalypse where the only way you could survive it was like to log out of the server itself until it was done it did have an i I, isn't that kind of a cool concept yeah i mean it did have an endpoint. it worked made its way from this mausoleum to a really heavily populated settlement called sky shrine uh and then once it reached sky shrine he would kind of poof out of existence and that event would disappear forever it was a one-time thing um once it was triggered in a server it would it would trigger rain its path of destruction uh poof and then it would never it would it would be gone forever so um oh. so yeah interesting yeah well yeah you know that that's it there aren't a lot of there's really nothing like that anymore i guess there aren't a lot of one time events Cause that's there's a downside to a one time event in a server because then everyone can't enjoy it, you know.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, it, it blows my mind that it's a, that's a thing.
0: Well, you got to understand these were the these were the days when they were trying to figure out this genre, you know. No, I get it. It's just weird to think about. I mean, and I guess the, I guess the. Um the way of including everyone was just to, you know, imagine you're nowhere closest mausoleum. And then all of a sudden this giant dragon just comes looming down on you and one shots you now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the thought for the longest time was that Kara firm couldn't be defeated. You know, here you have this giant dragon that could one shot just about everyone, but not everyone believed it. And, you know, there were many, many players, lower level players that thought they could conquer the dragon. That would try different strategies and stuff, only to have it conquer them, run through its path of destruction, and then disappear from their servers together. There was one particular server, though, a PvP server specifically, player versus player, where three guilds formed an uneasy fellowship uh, to protect the dragon. Basically, they wanted to prevent some low-level idiot from triggering the events while they plotted a way to destroy the dragon. Okay. Because who, who doesn't want to conquer the unconquerable, you know? Oh, absolutely. I hear you there. And so they did this for a while. And then word got out that there was one higher level player that had managed to kind of find all the triggers and was going to trigger the event. He had the backing of another group of players. They were, they were, they were this Alliance that was, that, that basically was dead set on triggering, triggering this event, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And so, these three PvP guilds had to swing into action. This was about November of 2003. Uh, These three guilds, with over 200 people, came together at once to fight Kara the Dragon. Wow. After about 3 hours and 15 minutes of fighting, the dragon was down to 27% health. Realistically, no one knows how much health it had. Uh, Bosses in this game normally had about 2 million hit points, it was later estimated that there were that they had a range for Care Affirm. uh the range was between 100 and 400 million hit points though Gee. the generally agreed <laughs> yeah the generally agreed upon amount is 250 million holy crap
1: man what kind of damage do you do in this game
0: um not enough to matter uh that's a great question uh his his kill attack would hit for like 7,000 points, and that was enough to kill most everyone. Wow. Anyway, so all these people were fighting, 3 hours and 15 minutes in, and suddenly the dragon falls to 26%, and then just blinks out of existence. Just poof, gone. Oh? The GMs, the game masters of that server, they didn't know what the hell to do. And so they just repopulated the server. Sony X kind of claimed the dragon had glitched out and that his aggro aggro is who the dragon pays attention to. For those of you who don't know, uh, they, they claimed that the dragon had glitched out and that his aggro had become unfairly locked, locked on an NPC character who couldn't die, which made it an unfair fight. And so they reset the, the server in the fight. They ended up showering everyone with XP they resurrected the players that had fallen and lost their gear during the fight, gave them back all their gear, so they reset everything. Um, and then, you know, they brought the Lycester Dragons and they brought the Sleeper back. Not everyone was happy about this. You know, people thought that uh, they did it on purpose, and maybe they did. You know, to this day, there's still a debate about it. Maybe they did it on purpose, maybe they didn't. But they brought uh, Kara Firm back about 24 hours later with a server message that just said, Happy hunting and a smiley face. Oh, and they removed the offending npc from the equation. Nice. So they
1: about really 4 committed
0: to that if it was a plant. <laughs> yep. So about 4 days later, all these guilds came together, all 200 plus people, and they tried again. Except this time, they had a practice run, right? Because the first time they learned what worked and what didn't, they were able to refine their strategy. And so after about four hours of fighting, four straight hours of fighting, can you imagine? Um, I mean, what? I, I mean, don't... OK, so there are four hour raids nowadays. Let's be honest about that. I know they still exist, but that's not common.
1: No, there's definitely not. I mean, having played Destiny, it's it makes sense. But I guess you're doing a lot more than just sitting in the same area fighting a character. Um yeah, and I haven't I mean, done any of that kind of stuff in RuneScape like Jad, so I don't really have that experience for cuz I know that's at least like a 45 minute to an hour adventure from what I've heard from Nick. So, yeah, no, I I don't know if I could do the same thing for 4 hours like that.
0: I know. So new strategy, 4 hours of fighting. Someone landed a the kill shot. Kara Firm came down and nothing happened. <laughs> no loot. Oh. Nothing. He died, he did actually have a death animation, no one knows why, but he had a death animation, and he blinked out of existence. No death, no rate of destruction, just nothing. All that fighting, all that work, for bragging rights, I guess.
1: I would be pretty upset about that. Wouldn't you... I mean, if I didn't get anything out of it, I just spent four hours. I thought I was going to get something cool. I mean, kind of. Yeah, I could have at least gotten some experience.
0: I know. I know. So I also want to tell you the story because I picked one more story. I really, liked, I really liked this one. So this story is about a character named Fancy who was a pretty famous troll in EverQuest. So Fancy... Fancy was a wood elf. He was a little harmless level 5 bard. Bards are people for those of you that don't know that play music. Their 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 musical instruments basically cast spells. Normally they're they're used to enhance the mechan- enhance other players, we call them buffs. So he plays a little piece of music that could give someone more strength or more health or something like that. Is that right, Rob? Is that fair fair uh fair description of a bard?
1: Yeah, I'd say so.
0: But to call Fancy harmless was a little bit of not giving him enough credit. So Fancy played on a pretty well-known server. It was what's referred to as a no-holds-barred server. It was like the Thunderdome. I mean, for real, there were barely any rules. It was a PvP server, so anything went, you could kill people. And as you played through EverQuest, you kind of aligned yourself as good or evil. It's also important to know that like 80 some percent of this server was evil because they're an evil aligned server, no rules, PvP. It was it was kind of a, a big deal. You know, and like we talked about uh, earlier on, death and EverQuest actually mattered. You know, when you died, you lose your XP and gear if you couldn't get the gear back. Um, and when you lost your XP, you could lose weeks, if not months of progress with the XP loss. Right. Right. I should mention that there was one other little detail that gave Fancy an edge over everyone else. So, anyone that was level 5 or below could not be killed by other players. Mm -hmm. It was a a tutorial thing. It was an introductory way of making sure that new players had a chance to learn the ropes before they would be kind of launched into a game where they could get murdered by other people. So here we have Banzi, a little level 5 bard, you know, on a server, PvP server, an evil PvP server who couldn't get killed by other people. And so he'd walk up to other players and kind of politely harass them. You can pull up some of his chat logs online. He asked people if they liked ice cream. He asked them what their favorite Skittle cover was. His was orange, apparently. He would walk up to a group and declare himself a man of of good ethics uh, and call the group in front of him evil slime balls. (laughs) And and so basically people would lash out at him because they didn't want to be bothered by him. Or, I mean, let's be honest, it's a role-playing game, so people would role-play. And so smack talk would ensue. And so once, you know, Fancy would take all his berating, once it would calm down... He would inform all these people that his friends, the Sand Giants, would hear of his mistreatment and he would enact his little plan. So at level five, Bards could cast a spell that allowed them to move incredibly fast. And so Fancy would run into a higher level zone that was populated with Sand Giants and then aggro all of them. So draw all their attention and hightail it back to the, where these groups were with a whole train of sand giants in pursuit. And they would basically rain destruction upon everyone in their path. It's said that at time he could hit, get 25 sand giants.
1: Oh my
0: God. And and one was likely to cause trouble. But 25 would literally decimate everything in its path. So he would basically cast the spell and let him run past and then stay out of reach of all these sand giants, but bring them back. And then in pure like 1990, 2000 form, when when he and the sand giants would come in, fancy fancy would he had his catch you know typical two thousands catch races that he would utter like, "Gotta catch them all, or you've got mail."
1: <laughs> that's um,
0: Incredible. I mean, he's like the troll of trolls, man. Oh my god, that's great. Over the four days that that he got away with this uh, to begin with his giants would murder about 400 players on this server. (laughs) And so, I mean, you murder 400 players on a server, which was, you know, a quarter, at least a quarter of the server. People begin to revolt. I mean, realistically, there was nothing they could do. He was level five. No one could touch him, so they couldn't attack him. At first, the game masters played along. They thought it was funny. And then as more and more people got angry about it, they kind of had to step in. And so they reacted in order to prevent a whole bunch of copycats immunity for players under level six in these mid to high level adventure zones was removed. Um, So they basically created tutorial zones that the rules still applied, but here in these high level zones, it was gone. And they also buffed some of the bard spells, meaning they made them less impactful, kind of like the fast running one. Um, no Dave that's nerfing oh nerfing yeah sorry they nerfed some buffing would be making it more powerful thank you they nerfed
1: it as always Dave is
0: wrong I know but yeah so fancy for a while was was popular Sony liked him eventually apparently he got to tour the office and people took pictures of him in real life so um, they were they were a fan but you can't get away with those shenanigans for too long you know yeah, no, um, that, it, it's going to
1: upset some people, which I get.
0: That wasn't the only thing he did. I mean, he trolled in other ways. He evolved as time went on. You know, at one point, he lured greedy players. Uh, he lured them into a lockable vault by laying down a trail of coins into it. And when they went into the vault, he would lock it behind them so they were stuck. <laughs> and then there was another time he was found charming priest NPCs. To slay players that would come into this village. Wow, he had fun. He had a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'll say <laughs> definitely. I'm sure other people weren't having fun with him, but he had some fun.
0: <laughs> I, I know, I know. So, I mean, EverQuest has a has a pretty has a pretty good history. You know, in 2004, they released EverQuest Two. Admittedly, I don't think EverQuest Two was ever quite as popular as the original one. And even to this day, the first EverQuest has a more, has a larger subscription base. In fact, at the end of 2020, the last time I saw numbers posted, there were still estimated to be about 82,000 active monthly players playing EverQuest. That's a pretty so,
1: impressive number still. I, I agree. I mean, it especially really considering is. if the peak was 500, I mean, yeah, that's peak. This well, 82,000 well, is still a great and, number.
0: And what's even more interesting is since the original was released there have been 28 expansions released for the game. Wow. They've gotten almost they've gotten almost one a year. They literally have gotten one a year since it came out in 1999. There are a couple years where they've gotten two. Uh for the last 5 years at least there has been a new expansion released every December. So literally we just got our newest one in December of 2021. They are still working on they're still working on expanding this world, you know, over 500 zones and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, EverQuest is is still around. You know, on, it's free to play. It's on Steam. So you can search for EverQuest on Steam and you can download it and play it without having to pay for it. They did eventually, you know, switch to a subscription-based model. So, of course, there's perks to, to paying, but you don't have to. I honestly didn't delve into it enough to know... What content is for paid subscribers and what content isn't? Not entirely sure, but that's something you could look into. And yeah, Rob, I do want to talk about one last little bit of legacy that this game has given us. Have you what's ever, that, Dave? Have you ever heard the phrase "Evercrack"? Um,
1: no, I, I can't say that I have.
0: So EverQuest. Was one of the was one of the games I remember that everybody was playing it. You know, when it came out, it was it was one of the earliest MMO. I mean, let's be honest, it was the first three D MMORPG that kind of stuck, and so everyone that was into gaming wanted to play this this cool three D RPG that could be played online with thousands of other people. That was kind of a new thing at the time, you know. You understand this is still you're still logging on to play this game with dial-up modems. You know, this is still the era of 56k dial-up modem. To be able to dial into a server and there be hundreds, if not thousands, of other players was kind of mind-boggling. So everyone was playing it and the people who were playing it was they were putting insane amount of hours into it because this was also one of the earliest games I can remember that was as big as it is. You know, we I mean, there were others. The the early Elder Scrolls were huge games, too. But this was this online world that was just big and took a lot of time investment. And so a lot of players were spending hours upon hours and they were addicted to it. And so this game and subsequently other MMORPGs after it were kind of given the nickname Evercrack, as in, you know, you're addicted to crack. But it was Everquest.
1: Yeah, I never have heard that. Not once,
0: but the thing that I want to emphasize and kind of the legacy that that it I think one of the most important things aside from the game itself, you know, from the technology standpoint and the notoriety game point or, or perspective, EverQuest gave a lot to games in this genre. You know, I I don't know if there would have been an argument for a while, for instance, if EverQuest wasn't as popular as it was. Um, yeah, sure, you can always argue that another game may have filled in the gap, or eventually we would have gotten to WoW, but you know, that was definitely, EverQuest was definitely the standard that showed everyone like, hey, this is a a subscription-based online game like this is a viable business model, and, and therefore, it gave other companies the courage to do the same, and that gave us later on WoW and 12 million subscribers, you know? Right. But aside from that, it's probably one of the earliest games I can remember that realistically opened up a very large conversation about gaming addiction. It, it unfortunately had a very publicly publicized incident where one mother lost her son, committed suicide, who was addicted to this game. Um, in fact, she started, there is there's actually an organization for Online Gaming Anonymous, uh, kind of like, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous like AA there is a GA for Gamers Anonymous and she started it and she did it as a result of losing her son but it it, it was it was really the game and the hours invested to this that really started to lead into that conversation of people that had to, you know game gaming addiction I think this more so than any other game before it to be totally honest with you so well that's very mm-hmm. interesting well, it's not the nicest legacy, but it's a legacy. Evercrack is a legacy. Yeah, that it is. Um, and, I mean, I I never got into MMOs. Uh, you know, I mean, that's not entirely true. Now we play RuneScape, and at one point, I, I, I played WoW for three or four, maybe six months. I don't know. Um, part of a year, I played WoW. So, I mean, I later did, but here at, at this point, I never did the early ones. I never did the Ultima Alliance or the EverQuest or EverQuest 2 or I could name a few others, but I, I never really did them back then. So it was kind of a thing that was lost on me. This was my what was I into back then? Probably real-time strategy, huh?
1: Uh, yeah, probably Command & Conquer.
0: Age of Empires. Oh, and or that one. I was really big into AoE. I think 99 would have been Age of Kings, the second one. So I was really big into real-time strategy games back then. I, I didn't really do a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of this stuff. Um, but yeah. So I have a crack gaming addiction, gaming addiction, which, in case you're wondering, uh, the uh, ADA or APA, the American Psych Psychology Association, doesn't recognize gaming addiction as a as an actual uh, um, disorder, a uh, mental disorder at this moment. But the World Health Organization classifies it as a disease. So that's interesting. One of these days, Dave.
1: Much like esports weren't widely accepted. And, heck, esports are getting pretty popular now. Well, esports. they have been for quite some time.
0: Yeah, esports are really a thing. But, yeah, so Evercrack. Evercrack, and it gave to the genre. So there's a whole bunch of things. So, well, Rob, uh, any anything, any questions or something about EverQuest that you uh, that you want to know?
1: You know, you gave a lot of information, Dave. I'm, I'm just blown away I, I did not know much about this game and it's way more than i had taken on i just
0: i i had no idea there was a lot i know i'm i'm almost curious you know we we play a lot of runescape and it's really grindy and i after digging into this i'm almost really curious to go into everquest to see how it compares i think That's what i'm
1: saying i just don't want to lose the rest of my free time i already have so little with all the other games i play i would say free time like i know but I, I, I just I feel like but it's if I so, start playing that, it's going to take all my time.
0: It's so interesting. All this old stuff is online. The MUDs are online. The first MMORPG based in 3D, Meridian 59, it's a free play game online, too. It's so easy to go back and actually like take a part in gaming history at little to no cost. It's like... It's like, these are kind of like having virtual museums that you could go and go back to these worlds that were once populated by thousands of people that are almost ghost towns nowadays, you know?
1: Yeah. I don't know. No, it's just,
0: very true. It's I, really fascinating.
1: It is. No, I mean, the fact that those are still all active is incredible to know. I mean, I never would have guessed.
0: Yeah. Well... If you want to learn more about MUDs, I did post the links forum on the notes for today's episode, which you can find on our website at www.memorycardlane.com. Also at memorycardlane.com, you can find uh, links to the rest of my research notes. You can find links to our old episodes. You can find a calendar of upcoming events, a link to our Patreon, where you can join our community to play games with us or ask questions. And you can find links to our social media. I am on Twitter at DavidIsWrong. Rob, what are you doing on twi- on, on social media these days?
1: I will be found on Twitch.tv forward slash F-A-T-B-O-I-R-I-P-Z.
0: Hell to the yeah. Well, Hell yeah. every week we try to teach you something new about the game. Our topic of discussion, EverQuest, would be today. Try to teach you something new about the game what it took from the world as its inspiration, and what it gave back to the world as its legacy. I have given you a little bit of each today to pick from. As part of our commitment to teach you about each episode, we admit that we learn stuff in the process, and we like to go back and talk about our biggest takeaways from each episode. So, Rob, what did you learn about today?
1: Uh, I learned about Evercrack you did <laughs> no I, honestly i like i had said i learned that this game is as large as it is i never i i've heard of it before i never got into it obviously um but i had no idea that it was rivaling world of warcraft as far as the amount of content um i mean granted it's not no 12 million subscribers but still five hundred thousand is an incredible number and I just, I had no idea it was that large of a following, even still. I mean, you said it was 85,000 now, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still just, I had no idea it was still, it was 82,000, but I just had no idea it was still that large of a game. And 28 expansions, I mean, come on, that's insane. I know. Like, I know RuneScape has developed a lot and changed a lot, although I don't do a lot with RS3. So I'm sure that it's similar as far as how many expansions you want to call them with added skills and things but it's just crazy to me i can't think of anything else it's 28 expansions you know like even think grand theft auto it's got dlc with different cars and stuff but could you consider those expansions to what degree do these expansions i'd imagine it's map editions and quest editions and things like that
0: it's also crazy to think that they have everquest 2 which is not quite as big, but still up there and it's been expanding alongside this too. So
1: Yeah, the the it's it's an incredible thing to know. I just I had no idea this the size the magnitude of EverQuest. So it's 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 kind of a lot. Um like you said, I definitely do feel that someday I'm going to try it just because it sounds like my style of game, but I just don't want to have that time suck added right now, so it's gonna have to wait. What about yourself, Dave? What did you learn today?
0: I enjoyed learning about the oldest virtual world in existence i i don't know That was fascinating it was fascinating to learn about it It it's fascinating to step in it you know i like obviously like the history part so getting to getting to step back into history like that uh you know into an online virtual world that still exists to this day it's pretty cool and yeah i really liked learning about muds and and that I, I I don't know I never thought about what the oldest virtual world in existence was so having it right there in front of me and getting to explore it was kind of nifty no absolutely so awesome well before I take it out of here is there anything that you'd like to add
1: as always I just want to take one quick moment to say thank you to all of our listeners hopefully you aren't getting sick of us and if you are suck it you're still here listening to us so you did this to yourself. But thank you for doing so, right, Dave? Right, Rob. Right on. Thanks for being cool, guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh man. All right. Well, next week we're going to be look at the first installment in a franchise that's still quite popular this day. It was the first game to use Crytek's Cry Engine. Uh, it was designed as an open-ended first-person shooter where players could really freely explore the game world, which was kind of something new. And it was something that was constantly, the Cry Engine was basically designed to constantly push the, I don't know, kind of push envelope. The envelope, thank you. Push the envelope on game engines, for sure. Uh, we're going to go back to the beginning. Next week, we're going to look at Far Cry, which is a 2004 first-person shooter developed by Crytek, published by Ubisoft. I'm a big Far Cry fan. I, I play each installment as we go through. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm excited to go back to the beginning. You can still find Far Cry Classic. on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360. If you guys want to play it and talk about it and join us, be my guest. So join us again next week as we take an instinctual trip down memory card lane. Do the thing
1: do up and do yeah yeah